about you and about worship as well, Lord God. And I pray that as I speak today that the words that I say would be what you want me to speak, Lord, that um, the thoughts that I've been having this week, that I'd be able to convey them accurately, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. So, I'm speaking about worship. I need a thing. <laughs> so, the title of today's um, uh, discussion point is Always Fashionable, which is kind of sounds like a really strange title for something about worship, because what do garments and clothes have to do with worship? But before I start, um, I've been reading um, a book written by um, David Byrne, um, and it's called How Music Works, and it's all about, um, I guess the musician in me has really enjoyed it, it's all about the technical side of music, also like the production side of music, but I thought it was really interesting that he started one of the chapters in the book, this little um, paragraph that I'm going to read to you, but it says, far from being merely entertainment, music I would argue is part of what us, um, what makes us humans, its practical value is maybe a little harder to pin down at least in our present way of thinking, the mathematics or medicine. But many would agree that a life without music for a hearing person is a life significantly diminished. Everything started with sound. In the beginning was the word, the Bible tells us. We are told that it was the sound of God's voice that caused the nothing to become something. So that's the quote from the book. But as I was reading this, uh, I was thinking about how um, at Ignite Gold Coast, um, we value in our services, worship, um, communion, the word and community and how um, we would actually say that when God said, let there be light all the way back in Genesis, see there you go, I've gone back to Genesis already, um, he was actually also proclaiming um, the beginning of sound and the creative power of sound. We would also argue that there is a practical value of music and that that is found in um, our essential of worship. So I just sort of wanted to start with that, that, you know, music and sound and uh, the words that we speak, they do have um, that creative power that was set in motion right from the creation of the world. So obviously I'm super passionate about worship and when I worship, something comes alive in me, um, whether that's just listening to music, playing music or singing music. I love all kinds of music. But for me there is something special when um, I listen to worship, it's, I don't know, it's like um, when I sing worship, when I play worship, um, part of you feels whole and part of you feels like it's actually doing something that it was created to do. It's not just the same. I love going to concerts, but, you know, when you are involved in worship and, you know, that worship where you can truly say that you've had worship, where you've experienced that feeling of heaven coming down to earth, that's something completely different from going to a good concert. So um, as I was preparing um, over the last few weeks for today, it was actually really hard because I am so passionate about worship. I had so many different ways I could go and I was talking with David. I'm like, I could talk about, you know, generally how worship is used in the Bible or you know, I could talk about what, when we worship, what actually happens in our brains. And because that's quite amazing that, um, you know, when um, we listen to music and when we worship, it's actually um, all the parts of your brain that get used, whereas when you just speak, it's only sort of one or two parts, but when you actually worship and listen to music, it's your whole brain that is involved. So it's like, I could talk about that, that's exciting, but nothing was really 
coming together. I was coming home every day from work and trying to sit down um, to write it so that I'd be very well prepared, but just nothing was coming together. I'd start it and I'd talk it over with David and it just it wasn't working. And I woke up on um, Thursday morning with a song in my head and it's funny because I can't actually even remember the whole song. Um, all I can remember is the song starts with... Um, what is it? Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's all I can remember. See, I can't remember the rest. I made up some words. But um, I had that stuck in my head all day on Thursday. And I was thinking, you know, maybe there is actually something to this. Maybe I need to go home and have a little look into this scripture. And so I came home um, and I read Isaiah 61, which is where that comes from. So I'm going to read that now. So... I had to put post-it notes in here. I'm so used to using the Bible on my phone now that I've forgotten where to find all the books. Um, So the title of the chapter in Isaiah 61 is actually about the year of the Lord's favour. So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, (coughs) to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and here's the bit that was in my head, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. (coughs) Excuse me. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. I was like, that's really cool. You know, for those who grieve in Zion, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness, instead of mourning in a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair. So it's like, what does that actually mean, though? You know, sometimes we read things in the Bible and we kind of just read them and we're like, oh, that sounds nice. What does that actually mean? So I um, did a little bit of research about it, but... um. It talks about the spirit of heaviness. So that's a heavy, burdened and oppressed spirit. So the word that they use in the Hebrew, and I'm not even going to attempt to um, say this one, but um, it's actually the same word that they use um, in other places in the Bible when they're talking about um, oil lamps that are about to go out. So it's talking about, you know, a light that's kind of flickering. So there's not enough power in that light to keep going. It's also... Um, used to talk about um, failing eyesight or um, I thought this was quite a nice picture. It's also used to talk about faint or pale colour. Um, you know, sometimes when you have that spirit of heaviness, that's what life feels like. You kind of feel like you're living in a world of grey. There's, sort of, there's no colour, there's no spark, there's no joy to it. There's nothing that kind of makes life worthwhile when you are wearing that... Um, that spirit of despair. So in contrast, the Hebrew um, for praise in this verse um, is one of seven. There's actually seven words that we translate into praise um, in English. So um, the word that they use here, and I'm going to say it wrong, I'm sorry, is um, tehillah. Um, tehillah it also comes from the root word um, hello, which is like hallelujah, um, not the food <laughs> um, and it's defined as um, praise or a song of praise um, or to sing praises um, they also say like the singing of 
Hello. So the root word there, it actually means, it's where we get hallelujah from. So it means to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, celebratively, to be clamorously foolish. I just love there that it says um, to shine. So if you look back at that spirit of despair that has that picture of um, the faded colours and the light that's, you know, flickering out and the contrast of that is that that praise that's to be clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to celebrate. It's the exact opposite. We're talking about exact opposites. So this word is actually um, used in Psalms by David. Um, in Psalm 31, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be on my mouth. And again in Psalm 35, he said, And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. So when you look at those verses, it's something that, that David um, obviously saw as important in his life and as something that he needed continuously on his mouth that he needed to do all day. So um, in the verse, it talks about a garment of praise. So I was thinking about, well, actually, it talks about the garment of praise. Um, so it's not just a garment, so you can't just kind of pick up anything to cover that spirit of heaviness. Um, it's actually the garment of praise. So um, the garment of praise is a spiritual garment that you put on to cover yourself, um, to cover your spirit. In other words, it's a garment that you put on the inside, obviously, <laughs> instead of the outside, but it's um, the only one that is designed by the designer, which is God, to be the right size to cover and replace the spirit of heaviness. So that's the only thing that works. To cover that spirit of heaviness is a garment of praise. Um, and this garment is actually not just to cover a spirit of heaviness. It comes with power. Um, the same word that is used in this um, verse for praise, Tehillah, is actually used um, in a story that I really love, so we're going to read it now. It's um, in 2 Chronicles 20. Whoops. Um, it's a little bit long, but it's such a good story. I wanted to read. Um, it's about Jehoshaphat and um, when he defeats Moab and Ammon. So, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, well, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. It's interesting to note, too, that Judah actually is um, praise. It's a picture of praise. Um, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So you have this picture of there's an army coming against Jehoshaphat. So his first response is to go to prayer, to call his um, people to fast. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham your friend? They have lived in it and have built 
in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O oh, our God, you will not judge them, or will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and their children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. But then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jural. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. And some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, in a very loud voice. There's that word. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat anointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. As they began to sing, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy them and annihilate them. After they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So basically the enemies imploded on each other. And when um, the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. It's interesting that um, I can just imagine what it must have been like to be there. And Jehoshaphat's like, okay, guys, I have our strategy. Here's our army. Where's our singers? <laughs> and the armies, they're going, oh, my goodness, he's lost his marbles. <laughs> and they bring the worshippers up the front. And as they sang their praise, you know, give thanks to the Lord for his love and Jews forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love and Jews forever. They didn't even have to fight the battle. Their fighting in the battle was their praise. And it's that same word, that same word. Um, we can see from this story that worship in particular praise is a powerful weapon in our battle against the enemy. As the worshippers sang their praises, God was winning the battle for them. It's interesting to note that the songs they sang were not of petition um, or request, but were just simply of praise and adoration of God's holiness 
and splendor. So just give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It wasn't, you really need to help us, God. You know, we're, we're pitiful. We need your help. It was just that, like we were singing today, you know, you were good. Give thanks to the Lord. Your love endures forever. Another example of this um, is actually seen in the New Testament when Paul and Silas are in the um, Philippian jail. Um, so they've been preaching in um, the city. They've um, had a lady following them who, even though what is being said is truthful, um, they cast the demon out of her and the people in the city are actually um, scared that of what they're doing, not because of what they're doing, but because it will change the city and they get thrown in jail. And while they're sitting in the jail, I can just imagine that they would have had a spirit of heaviness. If you're ever going to have a spirit of heaviness, it's when you're thrown in a jail. And they've been, um, I was reading yesterday that they're actually put in um, stocks and that the stocks were actually reserved for like the worst of the worst criminals, the murderers and things. So they're actually being treated like murderers and they're sitting in the jail and you could just imagine them kind of, is this even what God has for us? Is this really our best life? Is this really God's plan? Are we, are we actually in God's will? Are we doing what he has called us to do? And then you can just picture them going, nope, we know that this is what God has called us to do. We know that this is God's plan and purpose for us. And you can just see them, you know, we're just going to praise God. And so they sit in the jail at midnight singing their praises. And it's they um, it says here, um, Acts 16, sorry, that um, they were singing their praises and um, God actually causes an earthquake. Um, so they're in the jail. So at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So the praying and the, sing, uh, the singing hymns is um, sort of the Greek equivalent of that to heal her praise. Um, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all of the prison doors opened and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So even though God had opened the jail for them, they actually waited. Um, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then it goes on to talk about um, Paul actually went to, uh, Paul and Silas actually went to his house and his whole family um, became saved and were baptised. It was pretty cool that just from them praising God, putting on that garment of praise in their darkest point, not only did their circumstances change, but the circumstances of the jailer and the jailer's family changed. The circumstances of the people around them changed. Um, and I like the use of the word suddenly in there. You know, sometimes... We really need that That suddenly. Um, yeah, as they chose to wear that garment and praise their circumstances that appeared dire and unlikely to change suddenly changed. So if we look back at um, the verse in Isaiah, we can see that praise is a garment. So a piece of clothing is actually only useful if you put it on. Like, So David's jacket's not actually any use just sitting there. Like it's just a piece of material 
just sitting there. I mean, it's nice to look at, I guess, but it's not actually any use. It's only useful if he actually comes and puts that jacket on. And it's the same thing with the garment of praise. It's not any use unless we actually pick it up and put it on. Um, and it has to be something, I guess, that we consciously put on. Like David said, you know, your praise is continuously on my lips. Yes, the more you do it, the easier that becomes, but it is still something that you have to consciously do. There's times when, you know, you might be feeling sick or things are just not going well, when it would be quite easy to just wallow and, you know, sit in that that, um, spirit of despair, but you need to pick up that garment of praise and just, you know, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. And I just love that when we do that, you can see that praise is a powerful thing. It's not just um, that it makes you feel a bit better on the inside, that it, you know, might make you feel a little bit happier, a little bit less sad, but that chains will be broken. You know, we see other times in the Old Testament, Jericho, they lift up a shout of praise and the walls fall down. You see um, other times when armies are sent in ahead of, other worshippers are sent in ahead of armies and um, the enemy is so scared that they just scatter. Um, You see suddenly moments and I guess that's what um, at Ignite GC, that's what we want to see. We want to see people living their calling, living their life for God, not um, not being defeated by the enemy's plan against them. Like we learnt um, in Spirit Wars, you know, the power that um, the enemy has, that the devil has is an illusion. But, you know, our praise, there's power in our praise. That's not an illusion. There is actually power in our praise. So that's it for today. A nice short one. <laughs>